You know, today's uh, the final day of our series on the letters of John, and so we're going to be wrapping that up. We've been, let's see, this is our eighth week in it. It means that we are to third John today, and I'm just wondering, how many of you remember the last great sermon you heard on third John? Anybody? It's a shutout, all three services, (laughs) not one. But you know, it's okay, because for me, this is actually, in gosh, over 20 years, the first time I have got to preach from 3 John, and so that means that today you're going to hear both the best and the worst sermon that I've given on 3 John, so here we are. But you might be saying, okay, 3 John, who saves like their best content for last, you know, certainly not Home Alone, right? Just ask Home Alone 3, 4, 5... Did you know Home Alone 6 came out just now? That's a true story. How many of you have seen Home Alone 6? Anybody? No? You all are uh, good managers of your time, I can see. Uh, Good choice. But 3 John is not the Home Alone 6 of Scripture, I promise, okay? This is a, it's a great letter that John writes, and interestingly, it is one of the few letters we have in the Bible that is written directly to a person versus written more to a whole church. John writes to a guy named Gaius, and, he, and so the interesting thing with letters like this is we don't know the full backstory, of course, and what all was going on. You're kind of hearing one side of a conversation, if you will. And maybe you've experienced something like this before where you heard somebody talking on the phone or something like that. For example, we've got this little text conversation here where mom is getting a little confused with her words. She says, how make chicken? The logical answer, what? (laughs) Then where buy chicken? We'll skip that. And then avocado, which probably means avocado or something, I don't know. So clearly she's a little confused, right? Now, without that other response, we don't really know. So if we add in that other response, move that little box there, (laughs) Mom, this isn't Google. (laughs) Now I get it. Mom thinks that she's Googling, not texting. Okay. Now, let's be honest. Some of you may have done this before with your children or grandchildren. It's okay. Not trying to shame you, but confession is good for the soul, you know. Regardless. When you're here on one side of the conversation, you have to do a little interpreting to understand what's going on on the other side of it. Thankfully, John's conversations are a lot easier to understand than what we had on the screen there. There's three characters. There's Gaius, who he writes to. Uh, Gaius is apparently kind of a, a spiritual son of John, someone who he loves very much and is very pleased with. Also, in the book of Acts, there's three others named Gaius. Probably they're all different characters. This probably took place earlier, a while earlier. Uh, it was a very common name uh, in, in those days. It means rejoice. And so um, this is Gaius. Uh, Then there's another guy we'll read about a little later in the book. His name is Demetrius, Um, another guy that John is pleased with. He affirms his behavior. So we've got kind of two beauties, if you will, but one beast. And that's Diotrephes, who is, well, not a real winner, put it that way. He's kind of struggling. And so John's going to address each of these, and I think that we can learn some things as we see kind of some of the opposing attitudes that are found in these verses. So we're going to watch a little uh, video clip uh, that kind of starts the book, and then I'm going to pick up the reading right after that. Let's check this out.
the elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Sounds kind of like a letter that we would write, doesn't it? It's uh, a very standard kind of letter. Then he continues on verse 5, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name, that's the name of Jesus, that they went out, receiving no help from pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Okay, so here's what's going on. In the early church, you had people who would kind of travel around and share the good news of Jesus. Uh, because this is early on, uh, you don't have a lot of pastors there at all the local churches. It's not really how it always worked. And so they would travel around, share at different churches, kind of like traveling missionaries. Uh, some of you, you may remember back in the back in the couple decades ago, we had the lay speaker movement in Methodism, maybe a little bit like that, perhaps. That they were so they were traveling around, and these missionaries would be welcomed and would be supported there by the churches they went to, and so that they would be able to have the resources to continue on to do this. And so we see a little bit of that here in John, or in Third John. And he is giving thanks to Gaius for the way that he has welcomed these missionaries in and the great hospitality and care that he has shown them. Okay, so that's kind of, that's Gaius there. Uh, now, uh, the second guy in the letter, uh, Diotrephes, who he's not so happy with. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. Now, this is not a big compliment, right? The one who loves to be first. He's the, he like he's, it's like he's showing up here in church with one of those like foam fingers that you wear to the Bengals games, right? The number one, right? It's like, I'm number one. I'm number one in this church. Everybody remember that. It's me right here, Diotrephes. Loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he's doing spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does evil has not seen God. It's a pretty strong, pretty strong statement on who Diotrephes is, what he's doing. He's, first of all, he's putting himself first above everybody else. Uh, many scholars think that perhaps John had written another letter to this church, and uh, our friend Dio here just rejected it. Nope, we're not reading that. We're not having that here. Clearly, he sent some other missionaries, perhaps to come and address the problem, but Dio hasn't been willing to have them either. He's put them out as well. Others have tried to welcome them in, say, oh, it's okay, you can come stay with us. He said, nope, he's kicked those people out of the church. So this guy, to say he's on a power trip would be a bit of an understatement, don't you think? He's living for him. 
and his ways. And, and as John calls it out, he addresses it very, very directly. So there's this contrast between how Gaius is living and how Dio is living. They have some opposing attitudes. And because for Dio, it's, it's all about him. It's all about his way. Maybe you've known somebody like this in your life. It's kind of a my way or the highway kind of thing. You try to work with them, but they're unreasonable because they always want things to be their way. No matter what you give them, they always want more. For political reasons, he's assumed leadership of this church so he can have things his way. And we don't really know much about him besides these words. His name would have been kind of an aristocratic kind of name, so perhaps he came from a powerful family. We don't know that for sure, but it's possible. Maybe he was used to getting his own way in society a lot, and he kind of just translated that right into the church. Regardless, it's not what we're supposed to be. Even in ministry, people can make it all about them. John rejects this because pride is the root of evil. It really is. When you think about it, whenever you or I sin, we're basically saying, God, there's your way, but my way's better. I'm going to do it my way. It's pride. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Remember, Adam and Eve were there, and as the serpent was testing them with the fruit here, he, you remember what the line was that he said that convinced them? He said, if you eat this, you will be like God. We weren't happy just being the created, just being the created being who was set to rule over all of creation. No, we wanted to be on the same plane as the creator. And that's why we sinned. That's why we did that. Pride is at the root of, of all of our sin. And before we get too hard on Dio, though, we kind of got to look in the mirror, don't we? It's Thanksgiving week, and we face the same temptation that he faced. Instead of being thankful for what we have, thankful for all the good gifts God gives us, it's easy to put ourselves first, to make it all about us, our agendas, our wants, our expectations, the way we want things to go. It's easy to put ourselves above others, right? Why is it that Danny has to keep playing that hymn? I've emailed him three weeks in a row and asked for a different one, you know? By the way, nobody emailed that. I just wanted to throw that out there. Why is it that she gets promoted? I work hard. I've been here longer. Should have been me. Or, why is it that that pastor keeps asking me to tithe? I mean, does, how am I supposed to buy the car that the Joneses just bought if I'm giving away 10%? It's just not possible. It's easy for it to become all about us. Our wants, our desires, our stuff. It's so easy for that to happen. Naturally, humans love to be first. But it's to this kind of thinking, both then and now, that John delivers the punchline of the whole book. Verse 11, dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen, seen God. 
Sound familiar? It's a little bit like 1 John when he says that the one who is born of God does not continue to sin. He kind of reflects that here. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. It's not just enough, though, to avoid evil. That's a start. But he calls us to imitate not what is evil, but what is good. For Dio, he was speaking evil words. He was inhospitable. He was hindering those who wanted to be hospitable. He kicked his enemies out of the church. Sin gets ugly when we don't get it under control. We see this in modern times too, in this greatly divided world that we live in. For so many, it's almost as if it's impossible to to be in community with those that we disagree with. What if we had the humility to say, you know, I might be wrong sometimes too. You might be wrong sometimes. But can't can't we somehow come together and live in some kind of unity? Not that we always agree, but live in some kind of unity together. When we put ourselves first, it makes it impossible to do that. So John calls us to live differently, to live differently. So we've had one beauty here in Gaius, one beast, if you will, in Dio, and we're gonna end on a positive, positive example with a guy named Demetrius. We don't know anything about him other than the few words here, but they're positive. Verse 12, Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. Think about that. John says that even the truth likes Demetrius. That's a pretty strong statement, don't you think, right? You know, like, hey, I'm John. I'm running for city council. I have the, the vote of the mayor, the chief of police, and the truth. That's pretty strong, doesn't it, don't you think? Some, a little bit of hyperbole here, I guess. But he's saying this is how good this is. A- anybody who knows truth likes this guy. We all speak well of him, John says, and you know that our testimony is true. This guy's incredible. This guy's incredible. He's like the example of what you want to be like. You can follow his example with confidence. You've seen some opposing attitudes. You could be like Demetrius. You could be like Dio. Or you could be like Gaius. Who are you going to be like? Who are you going to be like? He's, that Demetrius, he's a model for us. So as we reflect on these words, where do you see yourself? I think for all of us, if we're honest there's some challenge to deal with our own pride. Because all of us, we tend to go that Dio route a little bit sometimes too. Maybe we think a little too highly of ourselves. Maybe we're quick to get angry or impatient with those who disagree with us. Maybe we're struggling with our pride. And John challenges us to lay down your pride and to let God's love flow through you. What if you and I did that? If we were willing in all of our relationships to lay down our pride and let the love of God flow through us. And you know, for John, this, this wasn't some like theoretical thing for him, okay? This wasn't like a, a nice teaching that he believed the theory but, but didn't know it. No, for John, I think this was personal. See, one of the neat things about John is that we know him over a long period of time in his life. 
there's a, a few Bible characters that we get a long look at. Many of them we just get a short snapshot, but you get some like, like Abraham or David or Moses, these kind of folks. And John is another one of these. We see him in his early days when, when Jesus called him to ministry. Chancellor Goody was probably in his late teens at that time. And he was, uh, and he was, he was there, he was a fisherman, and he was just doing his thing. And Jesus called him and said, come, follow me. And he did. He came and he, and he followed Jesus. And the thing is, John had, he had a little ways to grow, we might say. Uh, because Jesus had a nickname for John and his brother James. He called them the Sons of Thunder. Not because they were trying to start a motorcycle gang, but because of their temperament. They, John was, you know, he was a little bit, well, we could say that he wanted to be first at times. In fact, we skip to that, that second verse here. It, it talks about a time where John and his brother James, they approach Jesus, and, and they say, these words to Jesus. Mark 10, 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, we want for us to do whatever we ask. Now, how's that for a way to start a prayer? Lord, I'm asking for an answer, and the answer should be yes. This is how they start, how they start off. But Jesus humors them. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. They replied, let us sit at your right and the other at your left when you are in your glory. <laughs> are you kidding me right now? Jesus, we've, we've got this request. It's just a little thing. When, when you get to heaven someday and we're there with you and you're like judging all the nations, you're going to need some help, right? So here's an idea. I'll be your right-hand guy. I'm John. And, and my brother James, he'll be your left-hand guy. We'd be perfectly qualified. Yes, we know that you've got 10 other disciples, but quite frankly, we're number one and number two. It's pretty obvious to everyone, don't you think? This is John, the young man. It's kind of funny, seems kind of ironic that he's critiquing someone who wants to be first, right? Maybe he sees some of himself in this. Or another time, the disciples were on the road with Jesus. They were on their way to Jerusalem, and Jesus wanted to do something that was totally inappropriate in their culture. He wanted to take the short route through Samaria. Now, you might remember that Samaritans and Jews hated one another, hated one another. It was an evil, racist kind of thing. And, and Jesus, he was all about love, so he didn't play into that stuff. And Jesus said, we're going through Samaria. And he sent a couple people ahead to get things ready. I don't know, maybe they wanted to stop for lunch, or maybe they wanted to spend the night, but they send some folks ahead. The Samaritans encounter these folks, and they say, nope. Jews are not welcome in this town. Jesus, his disciples, they are not coming in. So the messengers come back, and they tell Jesus and the disciples this. And guess who's the first ones to respond? You got it, the sons of thunder. And they're not exactly gracious. Luke 9, 54, when the disciples James and John's heard, John heard this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? That's an approach, don't you think? Like, we've been working on these miracles, Lord. How about fire from heaven today? We'll try it, right? This would be great. 
In fact, some may not be aware of this, but there's an obscure textual variant in the Greek here, right? Let me just read for you this kind of, it's a little obscure, doesn't make it into most of the translations, but it says, when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Peter, hold our beers. Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and burn them all? You called us to show your love to them, and we're ready to burn them up. Doesn't exactly make sense now, does it? Even Jesus, Jesus rebukes them directly. The next verse says, Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. Of course they did. This is Jesus. Don't you remember his birthday? There was no room in the inn. Did he burn up the inn? No, he went out to the barn instead and was born there. What do you think he's going to do? He goes on to the next town. See, when you look at John's life, you see a progression of growth. You see a guy who, quite frankly, is pretty immature, even though he's actually walking with Jesus. Like, you can ask him any question you want. You hear all the sermons. You hear him over and over and over, probably because he traveled around and gave them, right? You know, you hear, you know the stuff, you see the miracles, and when somebody makes you mad, you want to burn them up. When you think about the others around you, you decide you should be number one (laughs) throughout all of eternity. Yeah, pride, arrogance, they seep into our lives pretty easily. But the thing about John is that he got more and more time with Jesus. And he got to see the love of Jesus. He got to experience what it was like, just like we sang about earlier, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, when he served them, when the God of the universe takes the position of a servant and washes the feet of the disciples. He got to see Jesus breaking bread offering it to his disciples and saying, this is my body, this is my blood. It's probably confusing to him until just hours later when John stood there with Mary and watched as Jesus is crucified. John witnessed the ultimate act of human love as God himself lays down and gives his life voluntarily for prideful, arrogant people like John. Years later, John will sit down to write his gospel. How will he refer to himself? The disciple whom Jesus loved. Love defined John. He went from being a fiery, arrogant, young little punk to the leader of the church because Jesus loved him and he received it. It changed his life. And it, and it leads us to ask the question, how is Jesus' love changing my life and your life? You know, the thing about Jesus is that he's not pushy. He gives us He's the God of the universe. He was there at creation, and yet he gives me and you free will, the freedom to choose whether we will accept him or whether we will reject him. It's your choice. Nothing's forced on you here. And when you ask him into your life, 
it becomes an ongoing daily decision to say, Jesus is Lord. You have the decision in every, every situation you face, whether you choose, as John said, whether you choose good or whether you choose evil. And we know about our faith in Jesus by the way that we choose. Are we choosing his way or are we choosing evil? And I think that as we read this, these letters and as we look at the life of John, it should challenge us to reflect on ourselves and say, Jesus, how are you calling me to grow? For some of you, maybe you're brand new to faith and you might look at some others around you and say, oh, I, I, I'm not like them. I'm embarrassed. I've, I messed so much up. Look, it's a process of growth. I mean, Look at what happened to a guy who literally was one of the authors of Scripture, right? He didn't start off in the strongest place. So there's hope for you and there's hope for me. But also, know that it's not automatic. Because here's the thing, maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a number of years, even decades. What if you look back, honestly, at your spiritual life? You look back last year, year before, year before, maybe decade before, whatever it is for you. How would you say that you've been growing in faith? Or, or are you? You know, perhaps you look and say, yeah, I used to be really self-centered. I used to want to keep all my resources for myself, and now I'm, I'm so much generous. Or I used to be so hot-tempered, but, but now I've, I'm so much more patient and kind and caring. Or I, I used to just uh, be known as somebody who stole or who lied or who deceived or who, who wasn't honest or I wasn't faithful to my spouse or whatever it is, and Jesus has changed me. Thank God. In this week where we pause to give thanks, thanks be to God for the ways that he's changed your life and my life. But maybe you look and you say, you know, if I'm honest in my assessment, it's not so much like a up and to the right kind of thing it's pretty much kind of steady or maybe a little bit of this and that. Well, growth is not mandated for Christians. You see, there's a difference in aging and growing. You can spiritually age without spiritually growing. For example, if we have a, a, a puppy, right? She's six-month-old black lab, right? Some of you have dogs like this, so you know my life right now, right? There's lots of crazy energy and all sorts of things in our house. But this, this puppy who we got at about this big now stands about that tall, right? And this puppy who it used to be kind of funny when she'd go to jump up on you now can tackle you, right? That's the changes that happen, right? They're growing, but is there behavioral change? See, the growth, the physical growth, it's going to happen automatically. You can't stop it. But behavioral change, that takes a lot of work. That takes effort. That doesn't just automatically happen. And, you know, you can be a, a 20-year-old Christian who just year after year you see yourself growing as you spend time with the Lord, as you maybe you get in a life group, and, and that helps you to grow in your faith as you study God's word together. You get in a band, and it helps you to kind of call out things in your life and, and be accountable. And you see your life changing as now you, you say, I don't want to have to come back and be confessing these same sins. I, I, I want to grow. I want to be different. And you encourage each other and support each other, and you see growth there. But you read God's word, and, and it convicts you sometimes, and, and you change 
change. And then you see it encouraging you in the things you do well and you want to keep doing more of that. That's spiritual growth. Maybe you see that. Or maybe you look and you say, no, honestly, I'm like a, I'm not a 20-year-old Christian. I'm a one-year-old Christian 20 times over, year over year. I do the same thing. If that's where you're at, friend, I'm not here to stomp on your toes. I'm here to tell you that God loves you. God hasn't given up on you. Maybe you've given up on you. God hasn't given up. Maybe you've lost patience with just feeling like you're spiritually treading water, not going anywhere. God hasn't lost patience. The the power of the Holy Spirit is just as real today as the day you gave your life to Jesus. He's not lost any power. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. He's real. He wants to change my life. He wants to change your life. He wants to help us grow. The place that you're at spiritually, it's fine for today, but not for tomorrow. If anyone be in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is past and the new has come. And so we've got the opportunity. Now, we've got the responsibility to take those next steps forward in faithfulness. Look at John. Later in life, he writes words in, in 1 John. He tells us some hard things. The one born of God doesn't sin, right? And it's convicting, and it helps us to be more and more like him. But he tells us that God is love, that we love, why? Because God first loved us. So there's hope. There's hope for you and me because like John, we have seen, we have tasted, we have experienced Jesus' love. While we didn't get to walk with Jesus, we get to experience him today. We get to experience the power of the Spirit and we get to experience this God who's calling us to himself, who's drawing us to be more and more like him each and every day. I'm gonna pray here in a minute. I'm going to invite you, maybe you haven't said yes to Jesus. Let today be the first time that you do that. To say, Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you change me? Would you heal me? Would you make me like you? Or maybe you have, but say, you know, honestly, the growth isn't really there right now. It's a time to say, Jesus, I want to be more like you. Would you help me? And maybe for you, this week of giving thanks, you say, Jesus, thank you for how you've changed me. Thank you that you didn't leave me in that mess that I used to be in, but you, you have pulled me forward and you have helped me to grow. Help me to continue, Lord. I'm gonna pray now and then uh, after the service, there'll be uh, members of our prayer team here. If you'd like to come forward and pray with somebody, we would love to pray for you. Whatever you wanna pray about. Maybe you're, you're traveling, you got family traveling. You want to pray for traveling mercies. Maybe you're concerned about this week of Thanksgiving where you see some folks that are just, maybe it could be a little challenging. Maybe it, during this week you're just, you're missing some loved ones and you just really would love to have someone pray for you. We're here. We care. We believe that God wants to, to touch your life right here and we'd love to pray for you. So Lord, we give ourselves to you. You are good. You are so good. You are kind, you are loving, you are gracious, and we just want to say thank you. God, I pray that that as we hear your word, as we listen to your spirit, that you would be bringing revival in our hearts, in our minds, 
in our hands and our feet and our ways of acting. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just come upon us in power. I pray that you would empower us to live for you. Lord, I pray for the one who feels like it's time to give up because spiritually they're not seeing much growth. God, I pray that you would inspire in them a passion, a drive, a desire to know you more. Lord, because you haven't given given up on them, and I pray that they would not give up on you. Lord, I pray for the one who's feeling tired and weary. Would you strengthen these bones? Would you bring new life, Lord? You raise the dead. And I just pray that you would be doing that in our hearts and our minds. God, I pray for the one who maybe has never given their life to you. God, may this be the day we say, Jesus, come into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I trust you. You paid the price so that I didn't have to. Would you heal me? Would you make me more and more like you, Jesus? I need you. And Lord, for the one who's looking back on decades of faithfulness, God, we give you thanks and we give you praise. I praise you for the saints who are sitting in this room. I praise you for the saints who have gone on before us, whose legacy still resonates through the walls of this church. I thank you for how you are building up the, the next generations of followers of Jesus. Lord, we love you. We praise you and pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.